Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, Sports Hockey Podcast, Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie on Masters Sunday. Julian, I know you're... A master's guy because i listened to you on another podcast state that you were a master's guy so give me you know give me, give me your interest leading into sunday here i mean when people listen to this they'll probably know whether it's scotty scheffler cam smith or someone else who's donning the green jacket but through 54 holes through tiger woods making the cut through what was a non-competitive but suddenly perhaps competitive little sunday shaping up here what are your thoughts on uh, the master's tournament and everything that we've seen so far First off, thank you very much for listening to me on that other podcast. You are I listen. I listen to all of them, buddy. I listen to all of them. I, I, I appreciate that very much so. Uh, the second thing I'll say is, is that I, I think I kind of came out with that head of steam saying, like, I'm a big Masters guy, and I really wanted to see Tiger Woods do well. Seeing that he's a little further down in the leaderboard might have affected my interest just a little bit, and also just kind of going through the weekend and paying attention to other stuff has also affected my attention span, too. But uh, I will find a way to have the final round on on my TV as I basically try to go through a Sunday of me doing like absolutely nothing. Honestly, after I do this podcast, I might like clean up around like my room or something and then just have like the masters on. Like, And especially and I don't have the, the scores in my head, but especially if we could be in for like a really intense final day, like I'm, I'm in it. Like I have to watch like I could I could really get into golf especially if there's like guys who like I barely know or I don't know as much. I don't even know any of the guys who are leading it off the leaderboard this year, but uh, like I, like I'll get wrapped up into it. If there's like a two or three stroke difference and like someone's either falling or someone's making a charge. Like I, I, I love that stuff. You're not going to get me watching every single hole of a tournament, but on the last day, if I can afford that time, I'll definitely do it. So yeah, I will be, uh, I will be watching the final 18. Yeah. The beauty of working from home on a Sunday or, recording editing putting together a podcast after is that the tv can be on and you can enjoy master sunday i will say scotty scheffler made things a little bit more interesting for you because uh i think he double bogeyed 18 on saturday uh had a couple other bogeys sprinkled in he was running away with it but it looks like with the three shot lead that will at least have some dramatics perhaps uh on sunday at the masters which is of course a great thing i want your opinion though on tiger woods okay. um I bet him on to make the cut. So I was very happy about that, but I'm more happy that he just was playing. Like it was very fun to watch. It was, it was great to see everybody very excited. Great to see him on the course, having fun when he wasn't four putting. Um, but all in all exceptional, right? It enhances the viewing experience so, so much, but I do worry about it. 
I worry about it because what has got Tiger Woods in trouble in his life? Well, there are a lot of things, but one There's of the bigger of, things yeah, and, and most in, the most important thing I think that has gotten him into trouble is pushing through pain, pushing through pain and what that requires, what the demands on his body require him to do in order to get through that pain and continue to compete. So I love celebrating Tiger Woods, love celebrating that he's back, love that he enhances the master's experience so much. But in the back of my mind, there's just something telling me like this isn't you got to be careful here. Tiger's got to be careful. We got to be careful celebrating him because it feels like this could be a feedback loop where he pushes himself through something. He needs whatever he needs in order to get through that pain in order to play. And then he's just putting himself in a position which might not be best for him in his life. Like getting through that accident, being able to play golf again, miraculous, right? Miraculous. I just don't want to see that again. So you have any uneasy feeling watching Tiger? Is that just me? I don't know if I have any uneasy feeling about it because I'm so wired. And I think to a certain extent, you might be too. And other sports fans as well. We have engineered ourselves to celebrate those who overcome those significant injuries and find a way to play whatever sport as a triumph. And if they find a way to win or succeed, uh, or ex- just at least exceed expectations. That's a whole other set of celebration that could happen as well. So, like, I, I don't, like, I, I don't think of any uneasiness with with Tiger with regards to how he's been playing at this tournament. The fact that he's able to to do this and the fact that he was able to make the cut, that's that's enough for me. Just, I mean, it would have been great to see him somehow win that tournament, but uh, it's not going to happen this year. But I, I I can't help but think of the way that you're characterizing Carrie Price, oh, not Carrie Price. Well, I mean Tiger Woods here, but it did make me think of Carrie Price. Funny enough, mm-hmm. because I understand they're they're not on the same level of athlete. We're talking about one of the greatest athletes of all time in Tiger Woods, and comparing it to one of the best goaltenders we've seen in the last 15 years, um, a goaltender who has essentially tried to play through pain, is essentially trying to put himself in a position where he could come back. Uh, amidst all of the struggles with injury and also struggles with with personal demons. Remember, this guy was in the player assistance program yeah. a couple of months back for substance use. And the fact, and what one comment from him that will always stick with me is how Carey Price straight up admitted that like playing hockey is a huge part of his identity. And like he needs this for himself. And mm-hmm. you can't tell me otherwise, especially with what's out there with Tiger in documentaries, stories written about him everything that's been publicized about him, that golf isn't a significant part of his identity and the the feed loop or whatever that he has to do in order to play through pain and make it work, that's just to fulfill Tiger Woods. That's for him to ensure that his sense of self is nurtured and he's able to go about his life. If Tiger Woods sits says, you know what, I can't play today, I can't play ever again, and he stops playing, what does Tiger Woods do? Think about it. Think about it in your head. Like, what does Tiger Woods do with himself? Maybe be a father to Charlie? Nope. What, what, what were other, I mean, yeah, you'd I mean, hope he, do, he does that now, but if that's all he's focusing on, is that it? I don't know yeah. what other relationships he might be in right now or what other business ventures beyond whatever ads he's in now. Uh, the, the golfing for Tiger Woods and being able to go through a tournament like this, this is a triumph for him. This is something he can look back on and be like, you know what? I went through what I went through in the accident, almost having my leg amputated, and I was still able to participate in a tournament. But 
also you look at the entirety of his career and how he's made, he's worked towards being the pro that he is right now. It's wired in him and wired in so many other athletes to not only play through pain, but if a situation like this happens, they're doing everything they can fighting like hell to be back on the playing surface. So I know I had to make the NHL comparison with Carey Price because it seems as if we could be a couple days away, could be as yeah. early as Monday, who knows, yeah. where he might actually come back and play an NHL game for the first time all season. But when I think of Tiger Woods, I think of Carey Price. I think it's a perfect parallel. I, and I, and I, and for that reason, I think I worry, I, I do worry about Carey Price. I, I feel like everyone should worry a little bit about Carey Price, given what he's been through this year and given um, all that's going into potentially coming back this season and hopefully playing hockey again. But what is that is playing hockey again? The best thing for Carey Price is playing golf again. The best thing in the long term for Tiger Woods, I think from a mental psychological standpoint, yes. But if you have to put yourself through literal hell and put yourself in a position where you are susceptible to either mistakes or accidents or whatever it is, then maybe just being stay at home dad, uh, the guy who shows up at the Masters, hopefully healthy every year and just eats the dinner and plays and and comes in fifth to last. Like maybe that is a better position in terms of his overall health and well-being and for Carey Price. Maybe just being stay-at-home dad is the best thing for him at this point in, career, in his career, given that hockey might put so much pressure and all that onto his shoulders. Uh, again, I don't know the situation with Price as much as I know the situation with Tiger Woods, but pushing himself through pain has gotten Tiger Woods in a lot of trouble in his life. It's put him in hospital beds for months. It almost led to his leg amputated as you mentioned that is these things are connected and that's why when I watch Tiger Woods I have a little bit of an uneasy feeling because I feel like we're seeing history potentially repeat itself which I think should worry everyone to a certain degree and I, I, I like you know we're throwing we're speculating a little bit so connecting these guys I think is justified but also we have to be careful with that because we don't know exactly how Carey Price uh, feels right now what sort of position he's in and, and all that but I just hope that he can come back to the game with a clean slate without any burden and he can play and enjoy hockey again without it being potentially a danger to him and his family like I, I, that's how I see it with Tiger with everything he's pushing himself through grimacing all the time slowly getting up the hills how is he going to deal with that pain and what is that going to mean for his future whether it's the immediate future or years down the road, if he continues to put himself through the hell he has put himself through in order to play golf. And the biggest difference between Tiger and, and, and Kerry here, I think, is that in I guess in the in this context, Tiger's legacy is secure. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't around for Jack Nicholas, but Tiger Woods is the greatest golf I've ever seen in my life. Tiger Woods with the victories he's been able to get on tour, the way he's gotten people to pay attention to golf, the way he's marketed the sport. Again, we, we, we view him as one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen. We don't think of that with Arnold Palmer. We don't think of that with Gary Player. We don't think of that with, with, with Jack Nicklaus. Like, we don't think of that respectively to Golf, either of yes, those golfers. Athlete, perhaps not. No. Tiger Woods on a completely different echelon compared to those guys. Carey Price, uh, if he retires today... I think he's a Hall of Famer, he is. but I think there are people who would think who are like, hmm, I don't know. He doesn't have a Stanley Cup or, oh, yeah. those Canadians teams he was on, you know, and maybe we got to think about it's, that. He only it's not Tiger Woods' year. career. It's not Tiger Woods' career. He has he has chapters to be written. Tiger could walk away. Tiger could have a chapter, 
you know, he could add a chapter as well. But secure, yes, carry still a ways to go to reach his potential, I guess. But still, legacy impressive, but not maybe completely um, secure. Thirty-four years old. Carry Price is yeah. thirty-four years old. Like if he's if he comes back from this healthy and shows the Montreal Canadiens he is able to play at a high enough level, and that could just be you know making a whole bunch of saves in a game, not getting shellacked four or five goals a night. You know, his movements look good and everything. Um, I mean, that invites a whole bunch of other questions that the Montreal Canadiens might have to answer with him in the offseason. Do they want him around for a rebuild? Do they want, is, is this a rebuild? I mean, that, I, a lot of people still don't really know if this is genuinely a rebuild, a reset, a retool. The Canadians have been very very crafty about how they've not put that word out there and not made themselves known about what they're doing. If Carey Price is playing at a high enough level, even if he's making $10.5 million, like, it, it, do you move on from him? Is, is that what you want to do? Do you just say, like, you know what? We have a team that could compete for the playoffs as early as next year. Is it just worth him just chilling and, and, and just being our goalie if you're the Montreal Canadiens? Or do you, or do you think like, hey, is some team willing to actually take on that salary? I'm sorry, I think the Canadians, if they're going to have to move on from Carey Price, that's at least four or five million dollars of his salary being retained. There are so many questions, but we can't leap to that until Carey Price actually gets on the ice and plays. And depending on how he plays, whether it's Monday, whether it's another game that comes this week, will go a long way to determining uh, what the Canadians will have to do. With him and, and with regards to his own legacy, like he's been to a Stanley Cup final, he has a gold medal, he has the gold medals. Like he's this is a guy who, uh, yeah, you're right, he she well, not, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be interesting if he was healthy enough to help a content a cup contending team. That's the one piece Carrie Price is missing in his trophy cabinet, he's been a winner. He's been described as a thoroughbred at every level he's played at. He won the HL. He won in juniors. He won at the Olympic level. He's won a World Cup. He just needs a Stanley Cup. That's the one thing that he is missing. If he's healthy enough to do that and put himself in a position to do so with another team or or if the Canadians find somehow they accelerate their process, that's that one piece he's missing. That's the biggest thing in the difference between Carey Price and Tiger Woods. There's still something for Carey Price to strive for. The contract and living up to the contract is almost a burden at this point. Obviously, you'd love $10 million a year. Great. Um, but we it's going to be difficult for him to earn that $10 million with the Montreal Canadiens, at least it seems, you know, without question, right? It's going to be difficult because he hasn't been healthy. Montreal may be looking to go in a different direction. So, again, lots of chapters, at least it seems, can be can and still will be written when it comes to Carey Price's career. But again, I hope he's just in a position where he can just comfortably play hockey again and contribute to a team and feel good about it. And, you know, maybe again, these are two different things and, and Tiger's situation is different in this way, but that winning that Carey Price hasn't necessarily done. You mentioned the gold medal Stanley cup final. That is impressive, but I think that's what, drives tiger is that he hasn't completed what was the ultimate goal which was to set the majors record he's still a few behind jack nicholas and he's not going to get there he's not going to get there unless he finds a 
second, third, fifth, sixth, tenth wind in his career and can win a couple more Masters and win a couple more Open Championships because you know he's not going to win the other ones just given the state of his game and and the power hitters uh, in the PGA Tour right now. So, you know, different. Is Carey Price feel pressure because he's earning the money? Does Tiger Woods feel the pressure because he wants his, to cement his legacy even though he has a cemented legacy as the greatest golfer of all time, but he's still got that thing in his back of his mind that he wants to win more majors because he doesn't have the most of all time. Uh, fascinating looks at two different athletes, I think, uh, who are in completely different situations, but similar ones in uh, a certain way. And I'm glad that you weaved in a little hockey because we should probably get to a little hockey chatter uh, before we go too deep down the rabbit hole with golf. And if we're talking legacies, uh, I think we got to start with Austin Matthews or we should transition to Austin Matthews who scored his 51st goal in the last 50 games in a win over the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, Carey Price was not involved in that game. Um, And it caps and it doesn't cap actually, because we're in the midst of an incredible run. And I think it's going to only continue because if, you know, Tiger is addicted to winning, I think Austin Matthews is addicted to goal scoring right now. It seems like this team has fully embraced this chase, just like Connor McDavid last year. They're going to try to get him to 60. They're going to try and get him to 65. They might try to get him to 70 as they try to take home back-to-back Rocket Richards uh, on that top line and in this market. What is your reaction to this incredible run? It's goal scoring unlike we've really seen, at least in our professional careers, right? Yeah, I, I can't – I mean – I'm trying to think of the last guy who went 60 was Ovi. Like it, it, it's a situation. It was Ovi went 60. Ovi and Stamkos? Or no, wait, did he? Like, yeah, I can't think of another guy who's, who's done, who's produced as well as, as Austin Matthews has with regards to goal scoring. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. My bad. I'll I'm get that. Trying. You keep Maybe going. It's just with the way that Austin Matthews, uh, just heading into that game, everyone was having a discussion. Is he going to get 50 goals in 50 games? And people were tripping themselves up on whether it's official or not official or whatever. It's still an impressive goal. It's still an impressive milestone for Austin Matthews to get. And then once he got that second goal, I thought, well, dude's going to hit, might hit 60 goals tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. He got himself pretty close. He was, he was very hot uh, with the way <laughs> he went about that first period uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And like, I remember like a month ago saying like, okay, Austin Matthews is going to hit 60 goals in an NHL season we find ourselves in a situation with what, like over 10, 11 games left. He could be 65. Steve Dangle on his podcast was saying it could be 70 goals. I don't know if he'll get to 70, but I think 65 is the benchmark that I think Austin Matthews, I think is reasonably within reach for this type of guy. This is a player that uh, has been nothing short of incredible all season has scored so many goals and has established himself uh, as the Look, is it too soon to start discussing him as the greatest Leaf of all time? I mean, he doesn't no, have the Stanley Cups, but like he, yeah, he's the gloat, I guess. We have the gloat for Raptors. He's the gloat. Yep. I guess uh, Austin Matthews and the offensive production, that's not something Leafs fans have seen in so many years. Like they've had to look to guys like Rick Vive. How many guys, like Omar wasn't alive for Rick Vive. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, I, I don't know how old Omar is, but like, I know he was must have been a baby for him. I don't think he was alive for him. Well, that's <laughs> no, to say, he like, he was not. He was not. No, he was not. So, like, 
I, I think it's incredible to see that uh, he's done as well as he's done so far. Uh, but it's also really interesting to see how his goal scoring well above uh, some of the other guys who otherwise would we'd be marveling at them too. Like we have so many guys who are within either at the 50 goal threshold or are within reach of that and are having impressive seasons. And that's all coming in a year where goal scoring has never been, hasn't been this high in over 20 something years. Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is really cool to see for the game. We were talking, you were talking about the last episode we did where it's like, you know, the, the, the game might not have, it doesn't look as, hasn't looked as good in a long time, if not ever. And Austin Matthews, a guy who, you know, a lot of people want to get around as, as a face of this league it, it, it fits that he is the guy kind of at the head with, with regards to goal scoring and, and the chase that he's on and not at the tail, obviously. So I, I think it's a really cool thing. And I get Leafs fans like enjoying it and they should milk it for all it's worth because it's not something we get to see every day. Yeah, it's the greatest Leaf season, uh, single season in history. I don't think it's particularly close. I think you're a good litmus test, actually, because if I threw the name Rick Vibe at you before the season, it probably wouldn't resonate, right? I, like, it, it, nope. yeah, inside the Toronto market, yeah, you understand. He, if you know, looking at any other chase, Austin Matthews before is he going to break Rick Five's record? So you know, Rick Five for holding the record of Leaf single season goals. But outside of Toronto, and even in the market of Toronto, other than that, he is not a player who's considered you know legendary in any way, right? And that sort of tells you a little bit about the Maple Leafs history, but. It also just confirms that this is the best Leaf season ever from Austin Matthews. I mean, there was no one, there's not as deep of a pool of players to be compared to, but you can comfortably say it because we're talking about legends that he's rubbing shoulders with right now. I mean, when you can do something, score 50 and 50 at any time in an NHL season, and the last person to do it was Mario Lemieux, well, pretty, pretty incredible company, right? And I think it's says, yeah, and, and I, what... What I see from this team now is, as I mentioned, completely embracing this chase. And that's why I don't think it's impossible for him to soar past Steven Stamkos, who was the last to score 60 in 2011-2012. But to get 65 and maybe 70, he needs 12 goals in 10 games to reach 70 goals. He would score 70 and 77 because he's missed a couple games with injury. And of course, he was suspended two games as well for his cross-check on Rasmus Dahlin earlier in the season. This is an extraordinary sort of form and opportunity that is in front of the Leafs. And I think it's driving this team right now. I think everything that they're thinking about is getting Austin Matthews goals right now. And it's sort of, it's exactly, it's honestly, I said it before. It's exactly what happened with Connor McDavid last year where they were playing so well because all they were doing was trying to lift Connor McDavid. And when you got the best goal scorer in the league, and that's all you're focused on doing, at least it seems is playing to the point playing at a, at a level where you can put Matthews in position to score goals, you get pretty good results out of it. I mean, his form right now is unlike anything that we've ever seen. And the greatest goal scorer of all time is currently in this league. And he's never done what Austin Matthews is doing right now. If that doesn't scream heart trophy, I don't know what does. I just, I, I decided to look at the schedule uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you said 12 games. So they have the Sabres. They have the Capitals left. They have a game against the Sens. 10, games, they 10 games, I- 10 games left. 10 games, excuse me. So he needs 12 goals in 10 games, excuse me. So he has the Sabres. He has the Capitals. He has the Sens. He has the Islanders. He has the Flyers. A game against the Lightning, the Panthers, the Caps again, the Red Wings, and the Bruins. 
there are some games in there where I can see him getting shut out, but there are other games where it looks as if he could, I could totally see him getting like two goals to help his cause. In his and, sleep. Yeah. and like since the one, the Leafs are already in the playoffs Two, I think we've all established this throughout the year. They're likely going to go up against a really pretty good team in the first round of the playoffs. So, I think at this point, if you're the Leafs, you might as well just say, you know what, we're doing everything for Austin so he could reach 70 goals. That's the, I think, is the goal at this point. Like, if you're worried, so worried about playoff position, like, okay, Boston, Florida, Tampa, maybe there is truly a lesser evil to those three teams, but I think the Leafs are going to be in tough regardless. So, you might as well just kind of end the season on a great note with Austin Matthews reaching that plateau there's one thing i saw though uh that really blew my mind with how we view uh like 50 goal scorers and and people who reach that plateau and exceed that and what austin matthews of course is doing is nothing short of amazing but can you think of the last 50 goal score in this league to have won the stanley cup in the same season he did it oh i have i have no chance you have no guesses you have no guesses Oh boy! Uh, it might be Lemieux, ninety-three. It's, it's not. It's not Lemieux at all. Uh, well, ninety-three wouldn't have been him because the Canadians won that year. Or sorry, Joe ninety-two. Sackick is, Joe Joe Sackick is the last guy to do it in two thousand one. He's actually okay. the last two times it's happened where a fifty goal scorer won the Stanley Cup in the same season. Joe Sackett, the two years I think he actually, I think it was the only two years he scored fifty goals. And the reason why I bring that up. Is like Austin Matthews, and I mean, I know the Leafs are in tough here. If they mm-hmm. go on some kind of miracle run through the playoffs, Austin Matthews has a chance to not only go down with, with one of the better NHL seasons, one of the best NHL seasons we've seen from a single player, he has an opportunity to have it go into legend status by mm-hmm. going to a Stanley Cup final, which I'm, I'm realizing now, if you have a 50-goal score, it is not a guarantee that that could happen. So what we're seeing right now from Austin Matthews truly is greatness. But we all know, look, we're captain obvious. We all know the Stanley Cup really matters in the end. But if Austin Matthews finds a way to push the Leafs over that hump, that's he he elevates himself to a different echelon player. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you made that point because I'm watching the game last night. I went to the game um, last night, and I'm just thinking to myself, how does this not translate to the postseason? Because we know what happened last year versus Montreal. We know that after a pretty impressive start when John Tavares went out and the Leafs were one note, they only had one scoring line, that Montreal's best defensive players were able to shut those players down. But I'm watching Marner and I'm watching Matthews and I guess to a lesser extent, Michael Bunting, who has been a great facilitator for both of them. This is the greatest, it's the greatest Leaf season. It's the great tan- greatest tandem season as well in Maple Leafs history. Mitch Marner is having... an otherworldly season and he just doesn't get any credit because of what Matthews is doing. But I'm watching it thinking, how does this not translate? How do the Leafs go into a postseason series and this all disappears? Because the way it is right now, it seems impossible. It seems impossible that it wouldn't work in the postseason given how dominant it is every single shift right now. And again, it is a different game. But how could it disappear? Again, it could, but I just, and if, without the historical context though, without them fading in years past, without Mitch Marner being on this legendary goalless drought 
and Austin Matthews not being able to rise to the, the occasion, maybe since the Washington series, like four or five years ago, without that, you would think you're crazy for suggesting that this sort of partnership, this form, the way that that line is playing right now, that they would disappear in the postseason. I just can't see it happening unless you remind yourself that it has happened already. That's it. Like I was thinking about it. Like if you're a team that runs up against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs, your number one goal should be to stop Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and do everything you can to neutralize the line that they have or neutralize both of those players and hope everyone else beats you. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a situation where the Leafs may be down bad in the series and Sheldon Keith gets desperate and breaks up that line and hopes maybe Marner and Matthews are able to help out two scoring lines as opposed to putting all your eggs in one basket. This is a big series, I think. Well, whoever they end up playing in the first round, John Tavares, if he stays healthy, he's going to have to come up big. William Nylander, a bit of the same situation as well. If you are a part of that second line or that second tier or just that other you know core of, of scores for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you have to step up in that series because Austin Matthews, it's possible he can he could still light a flame too, but we've seen we've seen teams shut him down. We saw them on Truck do it last year. So I, I think if you are an opposing team with the Leafs, like you, you need to do everything to shut down Marner and Matthews in that top line with bunting, and you have to hope someone else beats you. And if you're the Leafs, you have to hope that those guys who could be put in a position to kind of lighten the load for Austin Matthews, they do well. Or I guess you could just be another team and just not be able to defend Austin Matthews at all, because that is also possible too. I actually think the matchups are pretty favorable for the Leafs. Uh, we're going to get into that in a second here, but I will say before we wrap up this discussion on Matthews, interesting post game because you can tell that they are fully invested in getting the absolute most out of Matthews this year. I don't know what the primary carrot is, but there are multiple carrots dangling, whether it's rocket probably already got that heart maybe already has that as well, but 660, 65, 70. I think they want to take this as far as they can. And in turn, and I asked Sheldon Keefe about this, and of course he didn't really want to buy into it. But as much as Austin Matthews can set these like extraordinary highs that'll never maybe ever be touched again unless he does it again, the Leafs as a whole and Sheldon Keefe as a coach can establish highs that this franchise may never be able to repeat either. 105 points is their single season record. They hit 100, I believe, last night and clinched a playoff spot. They've got 10 games left. They could go high as... 120. They probably can't win the division because Florida doesn't stop winning, but they could set the high bar, not eat, not just the high bar, but a bar that's going to be very difficult to hit again or surpass this season with the way that they're playing. You mentioned the schedule. There's some softies there. They haven't played well against bad teams uh, recently, but I feel like this team, you know, it's catering to Matthews right now, but in doing that, they're sort of hitting the sort of heights that Matthews is hitting. Um, and that's just a byproduct of what Matthews seems to be doing right now. So a fascinating yeah. 10 games left for the Toronto Maple Leafs who uh, can do some pretty special things here over the next three weeks. I was just going to say the fact that they're able to do that while the rest of the Eastern Conference is also going into these super God modes is also it's kind of a bummer for the Leafs. Like I was looking at it before we got on today. Like there is a chance that almost every team that makes the playoffs in the Eastern Conference 
could hit 100 points. Even the Washington Capitals, who as of now have 88 points. If they get enough wins with the amount of games they have left, they could easily crack the 100-point plateau. And in recent memory, I cannot think of a conference, a playoff conference in any year in the NHL, where every team in it was a 100-point team. You've had years where you know you have guys, you have teams maybe like 98 points, 99 mm-hmm. points. But I, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I can't think of any other year no. where if 92 team- is 92 is enough to get in. Like that's kind of like the, the mark 92, 93 you're in now. It's a hundred and parody overrated parody overrated. This is as I've enjoyed these last couple months more than I've enjoyed any other NHL season. And it's not because we have contrived races. It's because we have great teams doing extraordinary things. I don't know when hockey got into this situation where they decided that, Hey, we need just everyone to be average to be at our best. How about we just have 10 spectacular teams and watch them and let the other, the rest of the 20 teams just figure, sort themselves out. Just, you know, just do what you got to do, but let's focus on these great teams doing amazing things. The Eastern conference is incredible. As you mentioned, eight, hundred point teams. I would love to see that. I would love to see that too. And we genuinely have a chance at seeing at seeing that. Even if we get six or seven, that's still like crazy impressive. Like I, I like Tampa Bay Lightning as a, as a wild card team could be a 100 point team. And again, mm-hmm. a wild card team. And they'd still be a tough out for, you know, if they end up like against like a Carolina or something. Like like you can't sleep on that team. I know they've had some okay, kind of up and down games really, but like it's nuts. Let's get into it then, because we wanted to do a little like simulation, right? So we're talking about how brilliant this is. And I think the best way to start this discussion is with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're a point behind Boston for the third spot in the Atlantic division. So lots to play for. They could get as high as, I mean, they probably can't catch Florida at this point. They're 14 points behind, but they could get, they could surpass the Leafs in a world in which the Leafs fall apart and Tampa goes on an incredible run. But as we've discussed, I think they're a third gear team. They know they don't need to push for something because they're the most postseason ready uh, team in the entire league being back-to-back Stanley cup champions. But if they do fall into the sec into the first wildcard position, which is the position they're in right now, they will cross over to the metropolitan and therefore the Leafs, the Panthers, the Bruins, they're not gonna have to deal with the Tampa Bay lightning, which would be great. Of course, for those teams, but it would be very, very harsh on the Carolina Hurricanes, who are second in the conference right now with 100 points, having a spectacular season, really the standard in the Metropolitan Division this year, even though the Rangers have caught them here over the last couple games. But what's that would be just brutal if Carolina drew the Tampa Bay Lightning in round one, and we could see it wouldn't be an upset because I think Tampa would probably be favored in that series, but we could see the number two seed go down and everything become wide open in the entire Eastern conference. If Carolina draws Tampa Bay in round one, would it be brutal? I remember last week we were discussing, was it last week or the week before we were discussing all these contending teams and I guess the, just in the way that they might look in the playoffs. And I think I mentioned Carolina at one point, you're saying with the way that they play, uh, they're a little bit more, how could I put this? I, I think, think we said tiger. You're trying to put a tiger in a cage. They're like they're yeah. the they're the they're the team that could handle a Florida, a Toronto, or a Tampa, given the way that they play defensively and structurally. That's exactly it. So I don't know if the Carolina Hurricanes might actually see that as a brutal situation. Oh well, I guess the only thing really is that because Tampa's so good, 
that series could go seven games. And then going forward after that, any other series they go into, I mean, they'll have already gone through a seven-game series, but uh, they might be a little bit more fatigued. But you know what? In the playoffs, maybe some some guys like the idea of going through those motions of playing seven games and just being in it as opposed to winning a series quickly and then having a longer layoff than some. And then you're trying to get back into a rhythm. So it really depends on how you're wired, I guess. But I think while I would still pick the Tampa Bay Lightning in a series over the Carolina Hurricanes because I know what we've seen from, from the Lightning over the last few years, I think the Carolina Hurricanes, they wouldn't look at a series against Tampa and groan. I think they'd go into it with all the confidence in the world that they could get the win over them. And wouldn't it be something to see the Carolina Hurricanes, they're the ones that are the giant slayers, a team that has been trying so hard to get back to the final or get to back to the conference final with the team that they've been able to build. They have one of the better coaches in Rod Brindamore and, and a great core of players there. If they're the team that knocks off the Tampa Bay Lightning, that could easily be a passing of the torch situation. And maybe that propels the, the Hurricanes to a Stanley Cup final appearance. So that could be a very interesting series. I think it's just, I think it would be a spectacular series. I think you're right on that. I, I wonder when what the best time is to get Tampa here. Because I think um, you know, obviously they're they're not as well positioned as they were last year. They managed to pick up a couple third line guys and Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel who maybe haven't been home runs just yet, but you'd think are going to be quality third-line contributors for them, and that really was the difference for Tampa, having that third line that could dominate in the playoffs as well. But is it best to get them early, or is it best to get them late? Do you think this team could run out of gas in the, in the third round if you're you know, the Florida Panthers and you meet Tampa in the third round? Is that the best time to get them? Or is Carolina fully healthy, ready to go, uh, not compromised in any way. Is that the best time to try and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning? I think it's a fascinating question because I'm not sure if this is a team that, well, it's clearly a team that uh, can be competitive from rounds through four, given the fact that they've won their last eight series. Um, but right now in this moment of time, does Tampa like fully rested, ready to go? Is that more dangerous than when they really get that motor running and they're starting to work downhill on teams. They're starting to feel themselves again. Is that the worst time to get them? I wonder at this point if it's good for Carolina to knock them off early, perhaps, then get either the Rangers or the Penguins in the next round, and then maybe they're off and running and off to a Stanley Cup final. I guess that's a good way of looking at it. If if, if just battling them at the beginning when they're still trying to find their playoff legs. Florida gave them a test last year, so right off the bat. And then it. all is like, oh, once they got through that, I was like, well, no one's beating them now. And, and, and considering how I'm thinking of games they've had against the Canadians and the Leafs beating them as well, like the Lightning are still trying to sharpen themselves ahead of the playoffs, like getting them at a point where, you know, if you're, if you're any team that plays against Tampa Bay and you beat them in game one of that series, as Tampa's still trying to find itself and they have to play behind the eight ball, I think you find yourself at a complete advantage over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, if you draw them at any point, you have to knock them off their perch right away. And, you know, even if they find their switch, it might be too late for them. If you give them any type of breathing room in a playoff series, like, like I, like, I, you don't, no team likes the idea, should like the idea of being down in a series against anybody. We know we've seen it with, with different teams. The Tampa Bay Lightning are not a team I want to be down 2 0 or 3 1 against. If you're Carolina and you find yourself there, you might as well just wrap it up. If you're Carolina, you have to win any team that plays against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs this year. You win game one. 
have Tampa chase the game. Let them be aggressive if they have to, but hold the advantage and, and go on with that. Do not let them win game one. If you let them find their playoff groove in any way, it's curtains for you because we know what they can do in the postseason. Huge postseason for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, they've been knocking on the door. They haven't really been able to do anything, though, impressively in the postseason over these last couple of years. I think this is a big year. I think it's open for them, but the, the, the path gets a lot more complicated if it is indeed the Tampa Bay Lightning who come fourth in the Atlantic Division and have to cross over. Uh, quickly, if it is that, um, if it is Carolina-Tampa Bay, that's great. It's likely going to be the Rangers and Pittsburgh regardless. I mean, the Rangers could still catch Carolina. They're both at 100 points right now. The Rangers have only have one game in hand. So it's very possible that the Rangers still win the Metro and everything that we just talked about would be um, – you know, sort of invalidated, but as it stands now, I think Carolina is is worth being projected as the number two, which leaves the Rangers in Pittsburgh and another series that TNT or ESPN will be loving with Sidney Crosby in a major market. I mean, first round, first round of the NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs, undefeated. It's shaping up really well. Any initial thoughts on the Rangers and Penguins potentially playing in round one, who you might lean toward there? think I'm going to lean towards the Rangers this year. I learned my lesson from believing in the Pittsburgh Penguins last year, and that really burned me when it came time for them to play in the first round. I'm still very jilted about that personally. But in all seriousness, I think the way the Rangers are just built, uh, that was my whole point with the Ewer Shesterkin Hart Trophy case in the first place. I think he's done an exceptional job in keeping that team afloat, but I also think with the pieces he has in front of him and on defense, this is a team that is capable of winning games, not to mention they have some good coaching from Gerard Gallant. So I think the Rangers, with the way that they're built right now, they could knock off a, a Pittsburgh Penguins team, which has done well, but they're clearly on the other side of that cup window. And this may very well be a last dance for, for Crosby and Laton and, and Malkin and all some of those other guys. And, I mean, goaltending will have to save them. It, it let them down last year. They cannot afford to have a Tristan Jerry situation where he does not play well in a playoff series or the Isle or, or, or the Penguins are done. But I just think the Rangers are going to go into it with better goaltending and everything else is a little bit better offensively, defensively for them as well. So I could see the Rangers winning that series if it ends up being the case in like six or seven games. I could see the Pittsburgh Penguins not going down without a fight, but I think this is the year the Rangers kind of put an end to all those Pittsburgh Penguins teams that terrorized the rest of the Eastern Conference thinking they were done, but they found ways to go on these lengthy runs that culminated in another chip for Sidney Crosby. So I think the Rangers would get the win. I think these teams are pretty similar. Like Jari's been great, but we have some questions about him. I don't think we have those questions about Shostyurkin, who's probably going to win the Vesna Trophy and is probably going to be great in the postseason as well. I think they're two of the better coaches in the league with Gerard Gallant and Mike Sullivan. Uh, I think Gerard Gallant is the only person who could wrest that Jack Adams away from uh, Daryl Sutter, given the job that he's done taking the Rangers, a Rangers team who's didn't make the postseason last year and making them a hundred hundred point team with nine games to spare is very, very impressive. I'm still trying to figure out both these teams though. I don't think they're as complete as the two teams we just talked about. Um, mm -hmm. I would lean toward the experience of the, of the Crosby and a Malkin and, and Latang. But I think Shostyurkin, I think you're right. I think he's that X factor. I just have confidence in him outplaying his counterpart. And if it comes down, if it is an even series, it's going to probably come down to goaltending. And I feel like I'd give the Rangers the edge there, at least in my initial look as well. Let's go over to the Atlantic side where 
things again with Tampa Bay potentially leaving that division. Very, very interesting for Florida, Toronto, and Boston as well. If it is Tampa that comes forth, it doesn't. It, Florida is going to win the Presidents or not the Presidents Trophy. They're going to win the Eastern Conference, uh, so they're going to get the lowest seed, which is going to be the Washington Capitals. They are the Washington. I will say the Washington Capitals are closing in on Pittsburgh, who's lost uh, four in a row. So it's possible Washington gets in there and upsets everything we just talked about. But I think the, the the most plausible scenario here is that Florida faces Washington in the first round. And I think that's something they earned. I mean, uh, you mentioned 100 points, eight 100-point teams. That being said, I still think Washington's the worst playoff team uh, in the Eastern Conference, and Florida certainly deserves that matchup if they indeed get it. Uh, I would heavily, heavily favor Florida. Um Washington's had difficulty with goaltending. Washington doesn't seem to be the best defensive team, at least in my mind. We're talking about a 60 goal difference in terms of goal differential separating Florida and Washington at this point. I think there, if there is one lopsided opening round matchup where it stands right now, it would be Florida over Washington, despite the differences in uh, historic historical, uh, you know, presence i guess or just their the context of the team being a playoff ready or playoff uh experienced team um but i just think florida will walk through washington if given that opportunity i i see sweet potential if uh that series comes to fruition i should also say i should also say uh you know even if there are situations where with so many games left a lot of these different things we're talking about could uh basically be invalidated let's just consider today's episode a dress rehearsal for when we actually have to talk about the playoffs and and mm. which who's going to play against who projects how i'm seeing today projections these are just projections yeah. and yeah just a dress rehearsal so that way we know what we're talking about in a couple of weeks time i think the florida panthers should be able to mop the floor of the washington capitals let's talk about the pittsburgh penguins being on, being on the other side of of the i said cup window but i should have said like stairwell i guess right like you walk up the stairwell to be great and then you go down at the end Mm -hmm. of your lifespan or whatever the capitals i think of all the teams i think they're they're completely on the other side uh the goaltending has been a huge question mark with them with Ilya samsonov and vitek vanacek uh, not necessarily grasping hold of the number one spot and goal for them they really could have used some more goaltending help at the deadline to really help their case not to mention Yes, the, the, the Caps have Alexander Ovechkin, one of the greatest goal scorers we've ever seen, if not the greatest goal scorer we've ever seen. They have to go up against a stacked Florida Panthers roster who I've said on the show before, they have the best forward core, I think, of definitely the Eastern Conference, maybe of the entire league. They, they might have the best forward core. The only other team that could rival them is the Colorado Avalanche. I think the Florida Panthers, a team that has not won a playoff series, since 1996, not only could they get a win over Washington, they might be able to sweep them in that first round. And how sweet would it be? We could be in a situation where two teams who have not won playoff series in like decades could like win in the first round. And I think mm-hmm. there's a better chance it happens in Florida, maybe a little bit more so than Toronto, but Florida should have no problem disposing of the caps. Yeah, the only thing that uh, would would uh, scare me from predicting a sweep is that Sergei Bobrovsky probably has a stinker in there somewhere. Uh, if there's one thing to be concerned of when you're looking at the Panthers who have won seven in a row, nine and one in their last 10, have won three of every four games all season long or on pace to score a ridiculous amount of goals. The only thing that's sort of holding you back, I think, 
is the fact that Sergei Bobrovsky is not playing particularly well right now. And they've had to go to Spencer Knight a few times uh, just recently in relief and to get them through some games. But every time they fall behind, they just erase their problems. And that's maybe not the recipe for success in the postseason, but I think it would be enough to get through a team like the Washington Capitals, who, as you mentioned, are heading down that stairwell. That leaves us with the final projected matchup and maybe the most... Not the most likely, but becoming more and more likely as we go through the the rest of the season here. Toronto and Boston again in round one. It's been a nightmare for the Maple Leafs. It is a house of horrors, TD Garden, for the Maple Leafs. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen them wilt under pressure quite a few times. Um, but if there is a time to get the Boston Bruins, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, it is right now. It is right now with the way that team is playing, with the way Matthews and Marner are playing, but also Boston, despite an amazing season, 95 points to 71 games, like they're on pace to smash their projected total. They are having a great season. But are they as good as they once were? I tend to believe that they're not. It's not Tuka Rask anymore. It's Jeremy Swayman. Patrice Bergeron still can shut down anyone. But can he shut down all four of Toronto's lines? He's there's not four of them, right? No. So I think this is at any time to get them is now. And I think if the Leafs were to go on a long run, beating the boogeyman, vanquishing the boogeyman early might set them up for the best possible scenario for success moving forward. So I think this is the matchup the Leafs should want. They just beat Tampa. They've had some competitive games with Florida. They had a bad. Uh, they had a bad loss against uh, Florida with a blown lead on the second half of back-to-back. But if you're going to get anyone, I think you want Boston right now because of what the matchup looks like, but also what it might do for you psychologically if you finally get that first-round victory and you finally do it against Boston. You've, 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 you've described it perfectly. The only other way I could describe it is we've all played, well, both of us, I imagine we've both played video games at some point in our lives. And we've come across that one level with that boss that keeps just, just beating us down (laughs) every single time you get frustrated. You put the game down for a little while. You do other things. You come back to it. You try to play them again. You lose again. You start thinking, okay, well, what the hell do I do to get over this final level so I could beat this damn game? And then you finally go back to it after the 67th time and you finally get over the hump and you find a way to win. This is pretty much what the Toronto Maple Leafs have to do against the Boston Bruins. They've had how many kicks at the cans it kicks at the can against that franchise it has not worked to this point this is the time for them to do it the two questions i have about the toronto maple leafs if the bruins find a way to shut down austin matthews and mitch marner who is going to step up and provide that extra bit of scoring so they could keep up two eric shalgren has looked pretty good for the toronto maple leafs as far as i've seen in net for the toronto maple leafs does that translate over to the postseason and if he can't go is jack campbell going to be the answer if yeah. he can't go. It's, like, ja- it's got to be Jack. Eric Shalgren's not going to be beating the Boston Bruins, I don't think. At least in my opinion. I don't think Eric Shalgren like, can be your guy. It's got to be Jack Campbell or you're not going anywhere. Someone has to do it. Someone has to do it for that franchise in net. Because if the Toronto Maple Leafs, with the season that they're having right now, one of the best se- the, the best season they've had in their history, with the arguably the best player they've had in their history, having the greatest Leafs season they've had, Again, in their history, 
They go up against the Boston Bruins and they lay an egg. I don't know how anyone has any confidence in this core. I've, I've said this so many times as well. I know I've been repeating myself a lot on this podcast, but I'm just making sure people good. remember. Good. But with the Toronto Maple Leafs, they need to win a round this year. It has never been more crucial or more imperative for, for them to win a round, probably in their history, more than this year. I'm telling you, dude, if they lose this year and we're talking about the Leafs, Next year, you think people didn't care about the regular season this year. Imagine what the hell they're going to do next year. By the way, a lot of those people who said we don't give a damn about the regular season, they're wrapped up in this Austin Matthews thing now. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, their, that's the entry point for a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans right now. But next season, if the Leafs do not have a playoff series win under their belts, man, I cannot imagine the world of pressure that Sheldon Keefe, if he's still around, will be in. Kyle Dubas will be in Austin Matthews, who will have already gone through the best season of his career. And people are going to wonder, oh, man, can he reach that plateau? Mitch Marner, John Tavares, all those guys. John Tavares, a point per game player. People are are, are mad at him in the streets of Toronto. Can you imagine they go through (laughs) all of this this season and you don't get a series win? A world of hurt is coming for that franchise for next season if they don't get it done this year. The pressure is Firmly on the Toronto Maple Leafs for for them to get it done. And they don't need to win the Stanley Cup this year. They need one series win. One series win changes everything for that franchise for next season in terms of expectations, in terms of how we view that franchise, and even the way we view accomplishments from Austin Matthews and everyone else on that damn team. They better get the job done for their sake or else... I don't know what Omar's going to do. Dude might start crying on live streams. Every time we do zone time, you'll just have like tears shedding from his face. As we mentioned, the Leafs, so it, for the sake of a lot of people's well-being in Toronto and maybe for zone time too, the Maple Leafs better win a playoff series or else we're just going to see a shell of Omar on every episode that he does for, for Yahoo Sports. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Uh, it is going to be rough. The Leafs can't get a, a, a series victory this year uh you mentioned the regular season it was a no win regular season but the Leafs are winning the no win regular season with the way that they're performing and the storylines that have come out with it but with boston it's the highest risk it's the highest reward when looking Mm -hmm. at the future because it's risky because boston isn't tampa bay you don't have that excuse stanley cup champions i mean we played so well we went seven with stanley cup champions but they're the stanley cup champions fact of the matter is you're better than boston right now you're better at this moment of time then the Boston Bruins, and if you don't beat them, changes will come. But if you do beat them, you're going to have the psychological bump that I think that can really propel this team. High risk, high reward if the Maple Leafs get the Bruins in round one. It's going to be unbelievable if that happens. Okay, let's do the Western Conference because we've, uh, you know, we're going a little long today. But that's all right. A little Tiger talk. It's all fun. I, I don't you, have you mentioned you just got, we just, all we got is the couch ahead of us. So we're fine. But yeah. we got to get through the Western Conference. And I think we got to start with it's a little less predictable here what's happening uh, in the West. But what's not predictable, back to back President's Trophy. They won the President's Trophy last year, right? Final day of the season. Uh, Colorado slipped ahead of Vegas. I should check that for you while you talk. I believe so. Anyway, they're going to win the President's Trophy this year with 110 points right now, six straight victories, eight one and one on their last 10, just soaring. Colorado Avalanche. They're going to get the lowest seed, which would be right. either. Nashville, Dallas, maybe Vegas, maybe Los Angeles. So it's going to be one of those four teams. I guess it could still be the Oilers, but I doubt that. Um, I would expect it to be the Dallas Stars because I think if Vegas is going to get in, they're going to knock off LA. We'll get to that in a bit. Either way, Colorado is going to be 
in a great spot for their opening round series. They're going to be able to overwhelm whoever it is, likely Dallas. They're just way more talented than a Dallas team. So I think we can kind of push through that aspect of it. But we're talking about an immense, immense difference in the team's uh, at least in quality with Colorado in their first round matchup. So I think we can kind of leave it there and move to that second spot in the central or the second matchup in the central, which is going to be St. Louis in Minnesota, barring a really, really impressive run from either Nashville or Dallas down the stretch. Does St. Louis and Minnesota move the needle for you at all here? I mean, it's going to be a jam packed first round. It's going to be hard to divvy up your time. But will St. Louis and Minnesota get any of your watching time if they do, in fact, meet each other in the first round? I'm going to try to watch that series. I I think I might have disrespected the St. Louis Blues a little bit. Uh, I think they have seven 20-goal scorers on that team. They're doing really well. They're, like, second in their division. And, I mean, they're, they're up on the Minnesota Wild right now. But, like, that has the potential to be a really interesting series. The Blues are trying to restore that that previous glory they had from that run and and everything else that's that's happened since that run has just been first round disappointment after first round disappointment they need this playoff run to kind of just reestablish their luster as one of the better teams in the western conference whereas the minnesota wild we know about the salary cap troubles that that are going to follow them if they do not get it done this year maybe the wild still have the edge in goaltending if a series between those two come together but we, I think that could be a sneaky underrated series, especially like if TNT gets it, I see them like broadcasting games from that. And that could see like, I could see us talking about it where it's like, man, there's like two overtime games and they're all just like super wild. Cause there's not much separating both of those teams. I, I, I think maybe the, the wild might be a little bit quicker and they might have a little bit more skill, but the blues, they, don't sleep on them. They know what to do. They know how to put the puck in the net. Not to mention, they just have the natural rivalry between those two teams from the winter class, not the winter classic game. Uh, no, it was the winter classic yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. It was my bad. So yeah, that would be really fun to see them both play against each other in the playoffs, and 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 that could sneakily be one of the more fun series to watch because of how evenly matched those teams are. And both playing really, really well of late. Uh, you mentioned. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that they have so many 20 goal scorers. I did a piece earlier in the week. Um, discussing the amount of 30 goal scorers. There could be as many as 75 30 goal scorers in the NHL, just ridiculous scoring numbers across the board. But St. Louis is one of those teams that didn't one of seven teams right now that wasn't for sure going to have a 30 goal score. And one of four teams that likely will not by the end of the season have a 30 goal score. But guess what? They've got seven or eight 20 goal guys. Uh, so they kind of they make up with it by uh, across the board, their goal scoring, while other teams, of course, are leaning on a few guys while they lean on and, a lot of guys. And the guy who leads the St. Louis Blues right now in scoring is a guy that I think a bunch of people wrote off before the before the beginning of the year with his wrist injury and Vladimir Tarasenko this is a guy who wanted out of St. Louis, too. Uh, yeah. Like, like that is really cool to see. A guy Seattle could have had for nothing, for nothing. But uh, you know, hey, we're not Ron Francis, so and oh, they well. probably could have got a first round pick for if they traded that free asset at the deadline. But Vince Dunn might be a part of their future for the next ten years. Who knows? Maybe that was the it's not. It's none of our business. None of our business. Uh, our business, the Pacific Division. Uh, Calgary's probably going to get Nashville. That's the most likely matchup for sure, because Nashville's not likely to catch Minnesota 
And I doubt Dallas overtakes them, but it's possible. Um, you know, it, it, it's, we shouldn't go too deep in it because it's pretty likely that it doesn't happen. But if it is Calgary, Nashville, maybe similar teams, teams that finish their checks, teams that play straight line hockey. But I think Calgary's just a lot better at this point. Calgary better get that job done too. That's another team that I think uh, with the way that they're built and the coaching that they have, I, mean, I think of the year they finished first in the West and they still f- couldn't find a way to get out of that first round. Like I, I think the flames should be able to handle the natural predators with the way that they've been playing basically playoff style hockey for a good chunk of the year remains to be seen how that'll translate over to the postseason with um, maybe the amount of, I still think with the way that that style that you play, if you play that, it's one thing if you play in the playoffs, it's one thing if you're playing that through an entire year, you have to feel some kind of wear down on, on your body, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, I think for the flames, they should be able to handle the natural predators a team again, that just surprised so many others with the fact that they should have probably been rebuilding by now, but they too feel some urgency with the players that they have in their state, including a guy like Philip Forsberg. Uh, and who knows what his situation is going to be after the season's over. But uh, yeah, it's a, I, I think with the flames, uh, they should be able to handle the Preds for sure. The most intriguing race, I think, is who is going to be in a position to go to Edmonton on night one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Is it going to be Mm -hmm. Vegas, who tried so hard to be great and might have stubbed their toe in the process, or will the Los Angeles Kings hold on? I think the Pacific Division third seed is the most interesting storyline heading down the stretch that doesn't involve an individual player doing unbelievable things. Um, That is the race. The Vegas Golden Knights are two points back with the same amount of games. I mean, everyone should be considering Vegas as the favorite to get through. That would be unfortunate for the Edmonton Oilers, who would probably be looking at a series victory against L.A., who have probably overachieved uh, pretty severely this year and might be right for the taking in a postseason series. But if it is what it should be, it should be Edmonton and Vegas in round one, and that would be a fantastic series. Yep. It would just have like you would just basically have Big David versus Eichel. That that draft here, the number one yep. versus number two. And Mark that Stone finally amazing. get back in. Yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah, that would be just be really fun to see as well. It's really tough for me to call with the way the Edmonton Oilers have been fluctuating up and down all year. Uh, you know, I won't sleep on the Kings and and the and I know they're 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 trying to restore themselves from former glory, but don't sleep on them, I guess. Vegas if they get in. Uh I will throw out you know a, a, a just a an eyeball emoji at the vancouver canucks who are six points out of that third spot mm-hmm. in the pacific okay that would be very that would be very fun for them to somehow go on a run and and have bruce boudreau lift the vancouver canucks out the depths of hell and jim benning and put them in the playoffs that would be very fun to see uh, I, I, I don't feel nearly as optimistic for teams after that including the winnipeg jets but uh, that would be very funny to see the Vancouver Canucks kind of upset everything and find themselves in the playoffs just when it looked as if they were left for dead in the first half of the year. So I will throw, again, the eyeball emoji as like, I see you. I I see what work you're doing. I see what work you're trying to put in for the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, that might actually be the most intriguing playoff uh, stretch to follow from here on out here. Like, Certainly. It's it's super close between – teams in the Pacific and teams in the wild card. Like it's, it's between Nashville to, to Vancouver, like a, in the wild cards spots, like it's, it's like a six point difference between Nashville and Vancouver and four points between Dallas, Vegas and, and Vancouver. It's, 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 
that is the race to follow. Like if you, if you don't have anything going on, if you've got through all your exams and school and whatever, follow the Western conference wild card race and, and see and, and stay up and watch games at midnight. If it is the Oilers in Vegas, do you think the Oilers can beat them? Oh, that's tough. Just because if, if with the way Vegas is built, they have everyone Mark Stone back. Problems yeah. in, both, in net, like is, is Robin that's, Leonard going to be healthy enough? That's it. That's a huge Might be the question, time to also, get Vegas too. Like it's time to get Boston. Might be time to get Vegas too. But at the same time, if you're Edmonton, you're countering with Mike Smith. Exactly. Do you have do you have confidence in the Edmonton? Who has been playing what, Mike Smith's been playing better. But again, like it's, you, you can't trust him for two months, right? Maybe that's trust it. him this year, like, though. That's it. I, I I might have more confidence in a, in, a, in a Robin Leonard trying to get back to health than a Mike Smith. No disrespect, but I think that's what I would be, I would be feeling. So. If you're asking me today, maybe Vegas wins. In a just world, it's going to be Vegas in that third seed. And sorry, Los Angeles, a little ahead of schedule. I, I feel like the best possible Stanley Cup playoffs does not include them this year. I know that's harsh. All due respect, though. Um, but Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary is the top three seeds. And the matchups we're going to get, it's not the Atlantic division. But if Calgary gets through the first round and they play either Edmonton Battle of Alberta to get to the conference final, or Vegas to get to the conference final. I mean, we are talking about a spectacular playoff bracket for the Pacific Division. It was supposed to be the worst. It is the worst uh, division in hockey, but it could be extraordinary with the postseason narratives and storylines potential for a battle of Alberta in the second round. I am all for that. Whether or not Vegas gets into that third seed, that's what we should at least hope for because that would be a lot of fun. Is there anything else with playoff projections that uh, interests you at this point? You mentioned Vancouver potentially getting in. We know the eight teams, not officially, but we know the eight teams in the Eastern Conference. There's not too many races, but the jockeying for position here certainly is interesting down the stretch. The only thing I could really say is just like, you know, buckle up. We're going to be in for some really fun times between now and the end of the season. And that first round of the playoffs, I, I don't know. I have a weird feeling we could be in for usually the first round is really fun. We could be in for the most fun we've ever seen in the first round of the playoffs and maybe throughout the rest of this postseason. I just hope that some of the goal scoring we've been seeing in the regular season translates over to, to the playoffs. But I could also see a situation where almost every team says, OK, we've allowed way too many goals we have to clamp down defensively. That's the one thing I'm worried about for the playoffs is that because goal scoring has gone up as much as it has, if that means teams' immediate responses will be to go ultra defensive in the hopes of not getting, of not being in these 7-4 games. Because if these teams find a way to not do that and we see a lot of 7-4 games in the playoffs, then it is anybody's game at that point. I hope so. Uh, the... The series that I want to see the most, it can't happen, I don't think, in the first round, but it's Toronto, Florida. I think it would be absolutely unbelievable. Is there a series that we've talked about in the first round that interests you the most? I mean, the Toronto-Boston possibility, just to see if if the Leafs can actually do it, that's something I'm definitely going to pay attention to a lot, just to see if they can actually do it. Um, St. Louis, Minnesota. I, I think the way that okay. looks as well. I still think that's that a series that I, I, I'm, I'm into it. I think that's a series that people are going to sleep on a lot. 
And uh, I think Carolina and Tampa Bay is also another series that I'm definitely going to watch as well, just with the way both teams are. If that one happens, that would be a gift. It's hard. It's harsh. It's harsh for both of them, but it would be a gift if we got that in round one. It's the same for me. Toronto, Boston, if it happens, it's clearly the most interesting series. It's clearly the one that most people are going to have an eye on. But Edmonton, Vegas, I think would be great if it happens too. I hope that goes down. Eichel versus McDavid just in a different bizarro world with it not being Buffalo anymore. Sabres fans looking up though. It's looking pretty good for the Sabres. Uh, Let's, let's get into tire pumps because uh, we'll save, we had a couple other things planned, but I think we could save them for a future show. I I think it was good to go through the matchups because, you know, we've known who's going to the playoffs, but we don't really talk about it as much. And I think it's good to get that first covered first layer covered. I might've went mute for a second there. Um, it's, no, I think that was a good exercise, and it went a little long. I thought so. We'll move, so. On. We'll move on to the tire pumps. I'll let you lead it off. Okay, so um, I was actually going to mention this guy in one of the segments that we were not going to that we've decided we're just going to scrap for today. We'll probably bring up later. Perfect. I'm going to bring him up today because because just because of the fact that because uh, like Austin Matthews is having a great year, Jonathan Huberto keeps coming up in conversation. Leon Drysdale's hit the 50 goal mark. Igor Shosturkin is having a Vezina season. He could eventually put himself in a position where he ends up competing for a Hart Trophy. Kale McCarr and Roman Yossi are having fantastic seasons, and Roman Yossi could be flirting with 100 points. And all in the midst of that, we could be just completely, you know, undercovering and completely, like, not misrepresenting, but Connor McDavid could be on the pace of having a career season. He has, he's at 42 goals, which is the most goals he's ever scored in an AHL season. And with 10 games to go, it is very possible he hits the 50-goal plateau for the first time in his NHL career. He is already at 108 points, which is the second most he's ever had in a season. And he's eight off his career high of 116. We could be in the midst of a career year from Connor McDavid, and we're all just going to shrug our shoulders at it because Austin Matthews is probably going to go with the Hart Trophy or Connor's mm-hmm. boy Leon is 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 well ahead of him in the goal scoring race, and there are so many other pieces, uh, so many other players who have done well in the NHL season. I say it all the time on the show: do not get bored of Connor McDavid. Do not get bored of this guy. Do not get bored of Connor McDavid. He is in the midst of a career season, and I'm going to give him a stick tap for it because we really cannot get bored of this guy. So uh, big up to him for uh, putting himself in a position where he could get himself uh 50 goals i mean it's not 60 like what austin matthews will likely get but it's a big deal for Connor mcdavid a guy who has never done that to his point in his career he is eight goals off i say he does it another stick tap julian you gotta save those for thursday man you gotta save those god damn it we're pumping tires here the tires it's the tires it's all good it's all good it's the same segment it's like the same thing (laughs) i'm gonna pump the tires Uh, of leaf fans that go down to the arena like uh, Leaf fans get a lot of Shout flack. Leaf fans. Leaf fans get a lot of flack. But I was in the building last night, and it was raucous. And I know I understand the guys doing things that only Mario Lemieux does, but the atmosphere is a lot better. The atmosphere is fun. Everyone's wearing jerseys. It's not just guys in suits. It looks like when you look down from the press box that you want to be in one of those seats enjoying the atmosphere and everyone who's going crazy every time Austin Matthews gets on the ice. So a, a, a uh, tire pump to Leaf fans that go to the arena and a tire pump to Leaf fans that are actually 
enjoying this regular season now after promising and swearing that they wouldn't enjoy the regular season because of what happened last postseason. You have to sit back and enjoy what this team is doing right now and more specifically what Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are doing right now. So the tire pump to the, the fans that are showing up and actually making noise. That's coach. And the tire pump to Connor McDavid. I'm sorry. I said stick taps, stick taps to both of them as well. Yes. Stick taps. Uh, yes. Let's leave it there. And that's the biggest, that's the biggest error that happened during our recording of this podcast. Nothing else yeah, happened. Nothing, uh, no went, other snafus. There nope, weren't any other. No what else? No one else messed up at all. Nope, no, no, no one, no one didn't record the best opening we've ever had on this show. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it was. It's all there. It's all there for everybody. It's a perfect we'll show. One hundred percent. We'll see if Take Two was uh, at or close to that level uh, when uh, we get into the post production. Uh, Julian, lots of fun. I'm glad you have a Sunday off. You can kind of sprawl out on the co- couch, see if Scotty Scheffler can hold off Cam Smith. Enjoy all the other sports that are going on. NBA playoffs about to start this week. This is the best time ever to be a sports fan, I think, in this exact moment. So let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy Sunday on the couch. And I will talk to you probably on zone time. But if not, next week on the Iowa Sports Hockey Podcast. Sounds like a plan. I enjoy. Uh, I'm looking forward to my Sunday and my Monday off uh, for this Ooh. week, sir. Yes, very yeah. much so. I've, I've earned myself a Monday off this year. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to all the sports. And uh, always a pleasure being on uh, the Iowa Sports Hockey Podcast with you, my man. And we are and still recording, so no more snafus. See you, buddy. Peace.